Well, hello, everybody. Um, this is Wendy with People Service. I'm here interviewing uh, some RMs, region managers, who have been with the company for a very long time, Paul Christensen and Greg Stang. Uh, hi, guys. How are you? Very good, Wendy. Thanks. Doing well, thank you. Good. Appreciate your time today. And you guys are you're chiming in from the fabulous state of Minnesota. Is that true? You betcha. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for being with us today. I want to start by having you both tell me, um, and we'll start with you, Paul, because we'll go alphabetical, Christensen over Stang. Uh, you know, you name your title, the territory you take care of, and how many years you've been at People Service. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Paul Christensen. I'm the Northern Minnesota Regional Manager. Um, I've been with People Service for the last 26 years. Wow. It goes by fast. <laughs> That's a very long time. How about you, Greg? Uh, my name is Greg Stang. I'm Central Minnesota Region Manager, and I have been with people about half as long as Paul, 12 years. It okay. will be in October. Half of that as operator, the other half has been Region Manager. Well, you are a lot younger. Um, sure. <laughs> I'll take that. No, actually, Paul and I went to Botech together. I worked in the public side for um, the first part of my career, the first 12 and a half years. So it's basically half my career now I've been with people service. How did um, starting in that manner, how does that help you in your role with people service as a, a region manager all this time then? Um... I was public works director, so I had experience with the dealing with the people, and uh, you know, and that's a huge part of the PR skills. That's a huge part of our job. You have to be able to, you, know, you have to have PR skills. Um, why, so I got why, a lot of that. Yeah, why is that? Tell me more about the PR skills. Well, you have to be able to deal with residents and councils, everything. You know, it's whether you're dealing with the city councils or the residents directly. Um, they all have different personalities, and they you have to you know, respond accordingly. Probably, you know, you can't. It's kind of like your kids; you don't treat them all the same. <laughs> so, Paul, let's lob that to you. And, and why do people? Let's talk about this weird, um, you know, juxtaposition. People get so upset about their water when it doesn't flow or the toilet doesn't flush yet. You raise the rate half a penny or a penny, and the world's coming to an end. So what do you think that's all about? Well, I think um, I think it's everywhere, but people take water for granted. They seem to feel that it is a, uh, it's a right to have clean water rather than a product that they need to support. Yeah. And, I mean, really, the water utility bills are very, you know, in our opinion, reasonable, right, versus what people pay for their Wi-Fi service or their cable TV. And so I think the way the world is changing, things might begin to, to change in that regard. It's about valuing water, to your point, right? Yes, I agree. It's, it is um, – it's always been perceived as a basic necessity and one that they feel that they should just have – available to them, um, but they are certainly starting to see more value to it now and uh, wanting a better quality water, and I think there is some change in that trend now where people recognize the value of it and are more willing to support 
maybe a higher water bill, but then they want a better quality product at the end of the day as well. So that means either investment in the infrastructure, the treatment capabilities of the facilities, or a better service. So it is slowly starting to evolve, I'd say, now over the last recent years. That's good news. So, Greg, what would you say? You've been in both seats, and, Paul, you have a long history of working in this business, but we'll start with Craig. Why do you think it's important, or or I would say preferable, for a community to partner with experts like you who know water, wastewater treatment, chemicals, regulations, than than trying to hire the one guy in town that may have far less experience and – and um, knowledge. Let's just talk to the advantages of that and also the network that you have. It's not just you two at People Service that help people, right? Yes, our biggest benefit is our depth. Um, the depth not only of uh, the people on site, you know, we're going to have, if we pick up a city and there's other cities fairly close, we're going to have all the Neighboring guys can come help out if there's an issue, you know, physically be on site if there's, like, a big storm that comes through or they have a major water leak at the water plant and they need help fixing it, that kind of thing. But also it's our depth of knowledge. Um, That's really key. And where I'm going with that is I think I've contacted every region manager already since being manager, talking to them about a certain project they might be looking at or a certain project where I'm having an issue. Um, And they all have their different niche, you know. Some of them know more about SBR. Another one knows more about proper chemical treatment, that kind of stuff. So the knowledge that we have in the company and everybody's always willing to share it, it's, you know, I don't know how you put a value on that. Exactly. And and maybe there was a day, you guys tell me, I mean, Paul, 26 years, maybe there was a day when the person that a community, a small town hired, was his skills were good enough. Uh, maybe the plant was newer, it wasn't as run down, and the chemicals weren't as obvious. What was in water wasn't as dangerous. So it was okay. And so how do we change the thinking to help people understand the world has changed. The world of water has changed. It's not okay to have someone who isn't staying up all the time on regulations, issues, EPA, chemicals, uh, et cetera. Am I right? Yeah, you're correct there. Um, it is difficult for any one person to stay up on everything. I mean, what was... Okay and acceptable is a water quality standard years ago. Now with the rule change, it's no longer the case. And it can just evolve by the passing of legislation or or a new parameter or, or something like that, whether it be water or wastewater, either one. And so they uh, they change the rules on us right, fairly regularly now. And then you have to learn how to evolve to meet that new requirement. And if as a city, as a typical city employee, Often all of your experience is right there inside that one gate, in, you know, in, at that one facility. And one of our big advantages is that we've got, you know, we work at so many facilities that we may have already solved this problem somewhere else. And we can 
take parts of that solution at a different project and use them or implement them to to solve this new problem at this different project. And uh, it really gives us a a huge advantage, in my opinion. And it's it's always that that ability to share information back and forth from one project to the next, from one facility to the next, one region or one state to the next. It doesn't. We don't worry about our borders and and that sort of thing. We are always reaching out to our fellow operators, trying to find out a solution for this next problem that we're running into. That seems to be the collaborative, almost family-oriented culture of people service. Yeah, very much so. Uh, managers reach out to each other. Operators reach out to each other. It's pretty much everyone in the company gets it that this is a team atmosphere. We're not. We don't. We're never limited by our own strengths or weaknesses. You know, we're we're always. If if I don't have the answer. I call Greg. If Greg doesn't have the answer, we call Mike. You know, we just keep moving along until we find the right answers or someone that has already dealt with this scenario before. Hey, you talked about Mike. I assume you mean Mike Adair, and he keeps you up on all things safety. How do you keep up on EPA requirements and things like that? Well, we also work with Mike as a technical advisor, and so he kind of helps keep his finger on the pulse of what's going on there. And we share the information back and forth amongst the regions. And we work very closely with our regulatory agencies, too. I believe in all of our regions, corporate-wide, each state has primacy over the EPA requirements. So you're always working with your state regulators as well. They're typically the ones that are actually doing the enforcement, uh, the boots on the ground for the EPA. And so it's uh, maintaining good working relationships and contact with those people, attending training. Um, that's typically how we stay abreast of what's happening in in the industry. So we talked a little bit about hiring, and you're always looking for good people that and love math and science and can work independently. Uh, sounds like people that want to be lifelong learners, curious, and always know there's more to learn. List. Oh yeah, there's always plenty to learn. We're 26 years. I still learn quite regularly. We better be willing to learn every day. And, and I mean, the industry has evolved so much over the last 26 years. I mean, Greg, you remember the big Y2K scare? Oh, <laughs> a lot of generators got sold in that time frame. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. I know Sitting there waiting for the lights to go out <laughs> on 2000. It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was a letdown when nothing happened, but we were certainly all prepared for it, sitting at our plants waiting for the worst to happen. <laughs> I remember. It was quite something. Yeah. Well, that's a fun story. Do you have any other, like, Greg, do you have a, a favorite funny or scary water or wastewater story to share from your career? Um, like a favorite, you have to like a humorous story or, or more yeah, like a... Or just a, wow, you won't believe this. I mean, no, but if one doesn't come to mind, that's cool. Because I'm sure you've seen it all. Let's just put it that way. Well, I mean, we've seen a lot of different things. Like one of mine went for a sewer backup one time, popped a manhole, and there was a 
literally a postage stamp machine that was down there and a copy machine and something else. Physically, somebody, they used the manhole as their garbage. You know, they wanted to get rid of this expensive equipment, so they threw it right down a manhole. <laughs> and then it caused the sewer backup? Cause it caused the sewer backup, absolutely. <laughs> it impeded <laughs> the flow. They had to oh pull their equipment out, and cops had to be there to get the numbers off. It was very interesting. Well, that's... Um, but another, yeah, go another ahead. good water story I have is in one of our small towns, we we were there actually four or five years at this time already, and the city had just gotten a new city clerk, and she started asking us, why are we losing so much water? Like, well, we didn't know we were losing water. How much water are we losing? And she started explaining, and like, I don't think we're losing that much. I'll give you. Anyhow, we ended up, long story short, we started doing a water loss study. We got a company to come in to basically do leak detection around town. We ended up finding a, they found a curb stop. They said, hey, this one sounds like it's leaking pretty bad. So with this leak detection equipment they have. And we put a wrench on it. They shut it off. And they're like, well, we're going to, the leak stopped. So let's, wait, and we're going to see who's out of water because it was their service line, you know, that has a leak in it. And nobody ever complained about it. <laughs> nobody ever complained about it. And, you know, we were waiting, thinking somebody got shut off. But here, talking to old-timers and later, there used to be a trailer house back behind, and that's what the shutoff was for. Oh. This, this line was left on. For, they are guessing for over 30 years that that trailer house was gone. Oh, my goodness. And goodness. in that 30 years, the city designed a pond system and a water plant for the flows for that day. So, essentially, the flows from the water plant going to the city and at the wastewater plant both basically are cut in half by shutting that one valve. Oh, my God. And both of the, the water and the wastewater facilities were designed for twice as much. Now they got room for growth. <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk about that in, in some of our people servicing newsletters. And on the website, we talk about, you know, good stewardship of water and wastewater really is an economic development opportunity for these communities because you have to be able to not just accommodate your residents safely, but businesses coming in. Uh, do you want to talk to that, Paul, or do you have any examples of how communities have helped gain business through sound water and wastewater management? How come you give me all the hard questions? <laughs> you've, been there, you've been there twice as long, so you've got this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, um, water resources, water and wastewater resources, yeah, I'm actually on the uh, Lester Prairie Economic Development Authority. And, yeah, if you don't have the room for growth in your water and wastewater department, um, it's critical that these uh, these new industries or new uh, home developments, there has to be room or you're looking at some major investment. And if you can optimize, which is something we try to do with our operations all the time, but if a community can optimize their usage of the resources for the water and for the wastewater treatment um, where you can become more efficient or eliminate leaks or I&I, &I, uh, and then you gain capacity 
it's so much more cost-effective to gain that capacity back to find it than it is to build for it. Uh, it's a million dollars. just doesn't go very far anymore when it comes to these construction projects. I mean, you know, you're looking at multi-million dollar additions just for a small growth in a community as far as an infrastructure need. If you can wow. optimize what you already own, it is so much more cost-effective and it's going to enable you to grow without major investment or permitting changes or even if just trying to get permission to drill a new well anymore is quite a, quite a process or any kind of expansion on a wastewater facility. Um, that uh, expansion for growth might come with a new limit that you never had before. So it uh, it's really going to be the smart money is going to be on trying to optimize what you already own and make it more efficient. Yeah. And I'll add on with that one, Wendy. Um, one of my cities, City of Pelican Rapids, they have a huge industry in West Central Turkey. And West Central Turkey is roughly, I want to say, 70% of the water and wastewater usage for that city. When the city was doing a wastewater upgrade, the, they had a representative from West Central Turkey that sat in on all the construction meetings. They sat in on the planning phase, you know, the design planning, all that, and they sat in during the construction. They were they were basically part of the team of this construction project. And then when we did an upgrade of the water plant, it was the same thing. And to me, it was a great uh, working relationship we have with them, and it's working well because they understand them. Like when we did the water tower painting, blasting, everything. They were a big part of that because they rely on the city to provide good, clean water every day. And we are always told that they, all of a sudden the water turns bad, like they get a shot of bad water, unfiltered, something wrong with it. They could lose a half million dollar product just like that. So they are very, very engaged in the whole water, wastewater system process, but they're a big player. Uh, with, you know, how much they're using, and they have a lot to lose. So it's a very good working relationship with a local industry. Well, it's always good to have a relationship where you're trusted as partners that come to the table together. And sounds like that is something that People Service is really good at forming with your best uh, customers. Many have been with you for almost as long as the company's been around. I mean, I think it's 24 customers for 25 years that that's loyalty longevity faith and trust yeah absolutely it, it's a it's always about maintaining the long-term relationship there's no there's nothing it isn't where you can just do a quick job for somebody and you're good and you move on to the next client no for us it's always about doing a good job for this these clients every single day and building relationships that last for decades, not for years or days, but decades, is always our goal. It's always our long-term thinking. I love it. So, you know, and also here's the thing. You, you guys live and work in the communities you serve. Um, and, and I know that there are large multinational global companies that um, cruise around the Midwest and, want to gain those relationships. Um, There are others who don't live and work in the market. It seems like there would be 
a great advantage to being among the people you serve. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I totally agree. It's um if you make it if your community is your home, which that's how it works for us. I mean, we do live in our communities typically. And um yeah, it's you care about the people in your in your community just like you care about the people that are in your home. And some often extends even beyond work. I mean, many of our employees not only work and serve the residents of their communities during the day in the water and the wastewater, but so many of our people are also members of the volunteer fire departments or, you know, different other entities that support their communities. And we strongly encourage them to do that. It's because uh, just the core of our business is service. It is, is very much a service industry. You know, so whether you're serving them with pr- providing them clean water or wastewater services, or if you're serving them by being a member of the fire department or part of the ambulance squad, it's all kind of a natural extension, and many of our people do that or find other ways to serve, you know, with uh, different community organizations. And it just, uh, that, it, it seems like you get so much more out of the career that way than uh, if you look at for just a paycheck. Cool. And you, you have uh, sometimes you have relationships with the local community colleges and colleges to talk to them about careers in this field because we're always looking for people to enter it, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Greg, before, he and I both, we uh, we each graduated out of the St. Cloud Community College uh, Water and Wastewater Treatment Program back in 1992. And uh, we've always maintained a relationship with them as far as, looking to them for as a source for future employees and then also trying to support the program and the longevity of it to make sure that it continues to provide operators for our industry. That's great. So tons of opportunity for our communities and individuals that want to have a great uh, lifelong learning career in a very, very important field. Well, I've, I've asked you for 10 minutes today, gentlemen. I've taken uh, more than that, about 12 and a half. So actually 24, my bad. Double, kind of like how many years you've doubled over Greg, Paul. There you go. That's what I to recruit him. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on him for years before I got him recruited. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Well, congratulations. Um, Well, thanks very much again. Um, And if people want to talk to you more, we're going to leave your contact information at the bottom of the screen here. And I appreciate all your time today. And thanks. Thank you for all you do for the communities you serve. You're welcome, Wendy. Hopefully it'll be useful. Talk to you later. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye.